1: What's going on Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guys, Cody and Derek, on with us again. Good friend of the show, Drake Wally from the horseshoehuddle.com Drake, how are you doing man? NFL draft almost here. The Colts finally, hopefully, and I think we're all expecting it, finally can get an answer at quarterback.
2: Yeah, it is, it, it's 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 um, only been, what, three months since, about three months, or a little over three months since the regular season ended, feels like 10 years um, since the quarterback is now the focus of conversation. Obviously, Andrew Luck, we all knew he was going to get picked. Manning, obviously, was a little bit of a different scenario, but I think this is, without question, the most important draft in the last 25 years for the Colts. It's very exciting that it's so close to finally being over.
1: Mm. All the speculation. We've heard every single since like every single quarterback has linked, been linked to the Colts at one point in time during this offseason. So I'm glad we're going to finally get some finality there and kind of figure out who who's the guy so we can start talking about one guy instead of four to five guys. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. But but in today's episode, guys, kind of really wanted to really have the conversation around some traits that we really feel like are important for a franchise quarterback, right? Because the Colts are right now, you know, there is a distinct possibility the Colts could have one of three quarterbacks available to them at pick number four. It may not happen that way. They may only be able to pick from two or even one if quarterbacks go two, three. Uh, I think it's a worst case scenario there for Indy, but I wanted to kind of talk about what are some traits, you know, as we're looking at the Colts now, they're, you know, they're obviously looking up at all the teams in the AFC that have, you know, not all the teams, but the top teams, they they've got their guys. They've got these young quarterbacks. So the Colts are having to compete with all these young teams, including one of their division in Jacksonville. And uh, the Colts just obviously, uh, as every draft, but especially with where Chris Ballard and this regime is right now, they got to hit on this quarterback. They got to get their guy that can compete and get the Colts back to being relevant, guys, because they haven't been relevant in years since Andrew Luck hung it up. So uh, let's let's start with some of the the qualities that you guys think. We'll start with Derek here. What are kind of some of the qualities that you really feel like? You know, if you're looking at a franchise quarterback, the Colts, obviously, we've had two guys that have been kind of generational players. There's not really a player in this draft that you say, boom, slam dunk is going to come in and do what Andrew Luck did in 2012. But, like, what are some of those qualities we noticed, you know, in some of those guys and Manning and, and Luck and, and other quarterbacks that you even see today that you think, you know, is so critical to being having a franchise quarterback and being the franchise guy?
3: Well, I think that when you talk about, you know, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, you know, some of those guys, uh, particularly Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, uh, they have, you know, they have that clutch gene and it's one of those things that like, it's. It's funny because we mentioned that's kind of like a term when it comes to basketball, but it's kind of just kind of transitioned over to the NFL world. But, you know, it's just a guy that when it gets tough, the moment is just not too big for that quarterback. And unfortunately, that's something that you really don't know if that's something that a guy has when he comes into the league until you draft him. You can kind of get an idea of it. You can kind of get an idea of his mindset, but you'll never know what he's going to be like when your team is down 10 entering the fourth quarter, how this guy is going to react. You know, you don't know how that's going to work. But of course, you know, you always knew when Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and of course, when Patrick Mahomes now is on the field and you know, a couple other guys have the same thing when they're on the field, you know that it is never out of the realm of possibility for your team to come back. And that's why, you know, people fear uh, guys like Patrick Mahomes now because there's never a time when it's not over until that clock hits zero. So it's important to be able to have somebody who is capable of doing that. And when it comes to the uh, some other traits that they have, I think that the most accurate uh, quarterback is the one thing that matters to me the most, is the guy that can make those throws. Uh, And that's why I've been a huge – Advocate of CJ Stroud for the longest time because CJ Stroud is the one quarterback that I feel of every quarterback in this draft class that has no problem making any throw on the football field. There's other guys that can make some throws, but not every quarterback in this draft class can make the same kind of throws that CJ Stroud can. I think there's a couple other aspects. Um, and I think two, uh, I think two categories that i'm sure we'll probably get into when we talk about overrated stuff i think for me personally athletics and uh and also when it comes to arm strength i think is a major um Overrepresentation representation when it comes to quarterback play. Now, I'm in no way saying that those attributes don't matter and those traits don't matter, but I think that the problem you have is you have a ton of people that are trying to say that if a guy doesn't have like doesn't show that he can't that he can't run like Lamar Jackson or, you know, throw the ball like Josh Allen, who can throw it 80 yards while standing still, you know, that they all of a sudden don't have those abilities and therefore they're not a good quarterback. I think the problem is is we we idolize those qualities too much kind of like what we do with the 40 time, right? When it comes to wide receivers and corners, it's a very overblown stat. It's not really something that's that important. Uh, If it's bad, then it's bad. But if it's average, then it's not the worst thing in the world, as long as you have other things to back it up. But those are the qualities that I would say makes a really good quarterback, especially the ones that we've known from recent memory.
2: Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Drake? Well, it was a it was a wonderful breakdown because uh, you know just uh, kind of my thoughts on what Derek just said is to to each point. We'll start with clutch. There's different levels of it. There's like guys that can that have no ability to to figure out you know. Uh, a game a game time situation, kind of like what Derek was breaking down with Patrick Mahomes, where you're like, oh, this guy's going to throw that touchdown. There's guys that just are too far in their head, and they'll throw interceptions. Then you've got the guy that's kind of in the middle. Then you've got the Manning level, a guy that had, oh, I don't know, the most like fearless man in NFL history, potentially, in Bill Belichick. Go for it on fourth down, okay, when you are risking the entire game, because he doesn't just think he knows that Manning's going to drive down the field. And this is his one shot to get that clutch guy, potentially the best he's ever faced, off the field. That's the clutch that you want. You want that Mahomes level. You want that. I'd even say Josh Allen has a degree of it. So if you can find that, great. But like Derek said, you don't know you've got it until you're in the most unfortunate situation where you have to, the guy's got to make a play. And then you kind of figure it out from there. Um, I do love what he said about the athleticism. Like, look, it's so important you got to be able to move. you can't just be able to stay you can't stand in the pocket anymore. but there there have been just a multitude of guys that came out. they were the, they were incredibly athletic. they could run, couldn't throw for a they couldn't throw for piss. I mean literally you know who I'm talking about uh, Derek Terrell Pryor, okay, like Terrell Pryor was arguably one of the most ridiculously athletic quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life he was so athletic that he became a thousand yard receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Okay. So like you sometimes athleticism in that case, it's just blown up. Yeah, you're, you're muted. It's what funny. It's
3: funny because there was an era of <laughs> there was an era of time when Ohio State athletics, when it was just athletes who were quarterbacks at Ohio State, not quarterbacks who were athletes. It, it it's that's the difference, and and everyone always loves to bring that idea up that it's it, it they don't look up the fact that these guys weren't actual quarterbacks; they were athletes that were able to throw the football. Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, you know, all those names. And look, like the athleticism thing, we can talk about that more. It's, I mean, Patrick, guys like Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, they all have what I consider the appropriate amount of athleticism. They never use it to take over games but it is just another level to their game that allows them to be another threat. Lamar Jackson is a threat in and of his own because he is the greatest athlete at quarterback that we have ever seen. And he's improving his passing ability. And he's going to have to continue to do that because he's not going to be the same athlete that he is now, four years from now. It's not going to be that way. Uh, but, of course, Patrick, but guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert were able to evade the pocket, were able to throw on the run. Guys who, when the pocket's collapsing and they, you're afraid of them throwing, they're able to get that six, seven yards, go out of bounds. Get those six, seven yards that make it from a second and long to a third and manageable, and that Playbook opens up so much more when you have that option. So, you know, just being able to do those, right? Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Even Jalen Hurts, like Jalen Hurts is a little more athletic than all those guys, but the Eagles are usually smart about how they approach it with him. They're not looking to run him every other play, but they will use it when they feel they need to because then it opens things up for you. So it's not about being a, you know, Two-time all-state track athlete out there at quarterback, just just enough that you're not like Peyton Manning or what Phillip Rivers was in the pocket for the longest time, right? Like that's what it is.
2: Well, and like uh, I was I was gonna say that the fact that you brought up Patrick Mose is perfect because even Josh Allen runs like a four. We're talking about the 40, okay? John Ross, okay, it's, yeah, John, John Ross. Who is now? I don't even think he's in the NFL anymore. Holds the record for the fastest forty-yard dash, and he couldn't even stay on a starting freaking lineup with the wide receiver needy Cincinnati Bengals. So, there's there's another example that the forty gets over or gets overblown. And to go to your point of like Allen and Mahomes and Burrow, they get out of that pocket and they run like a four eight forty. Josh Allen's an incredible athlete. Don't get me wrong; he is not that fast, though. I mean, he's fast, but he's not like lightning quick. Okay, he's just huge, can evade tackles and everything else, and has a sense of where the gap is to get away from tackles. So, I absolutely love love the breakdown because there are certain things. Obviously, you want the clutch thing, you want the mind, you want the guy who can, you know, everything slows down like Aaron Rodgers' style, especially in the AFC, especially with the Colts. Now that he's in the AFC, Mike. Goodness, you're Ugh. talking about a conference. I know, another, you you another cannot, you can't get behind at all. You you have to nail this quarterback. So I think that the three most important are you do need to have the mental. That's the clutch. That's the the, the breaking down of things. You got to have an innate sense of pocket presence. You just have to have that like third eye somewhere where it's like you can see and feel the pocket. And I, I love what Derek said about accuracy. I mean, the if you're not an accurate quarterback, you can probably figure that out down the road if you're raw enough. But if you're not gonna get at least in that 65 to 66 percent range like the NFL demands now, you could fall behind in a freaking firehouse that's the AFC now. It's terrifying out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um one I think like
1: with that, uh what I would say is like talk about like the mental game, like the clutch factor, you know, being able to rise to the occasion. Unfortunately, we've seen it the other way with Carson Wentz where, you know, they kind of, you know, they didn't rise to the occasion and, you know, they missed out on the playoffs. Now, I know it wasn't all his fault, but you know, like he had a big part in that. He was a leader. He was the guy that they made a captain and he did not rise to that occasion. So you need a quarterback that's going to do that. It's going to, you know, when the moment gets tough and the moment gets big, it's not too big for them, right? They're able to power through it and they're able to, to rise to the occasion basically. Um, so I think that mental game, and also I think, you know, an underrated thing with the mental game is just knowing where to go with the football in certain situations, you know, situational IQ, I think is huge for a quarterback. You know, we saw it so much for Phillip Rivers, where when the pressure was coming, he'd dump it off to Naheem Hines and get a big gain, Like, you know, just things like that where you don't always have to necessarily, you know, chuck the ball 30, 40, 50 yards down the field every play, but, like, you know when it's to be smart, you know. And that's a big thing that, like, you know, a reason why Carson Wentz only lasted a year is, you know, he would try to go for the big play too often when, when there was – you know, the the layups, as Chris Ballard called it, um, that weren't being made. And so, like, just things like that, I think, are important as well for a quarterback to kind of have that balance, you know, when it, when it comes to that. And also, when, it you know, talking about the athleticism, knowing when to run, you know, not having that first instinct to take off all the time, right? You know, but, like, being able to learn, like, okay, there are times when I definitely need to run and get a first down there's also also times when I need to stay in that pocket and I need to make a big time throw. Um, and so I think kind of having that balance and having that you know if you have a quarterback that has that kind of mental toughness, um, that mental IQ as well, um, I think all those things really serve a quarterback well um, in that. And I think that ultimately guys comes back to one that I think you know just has to be something for a young quarterback is the teachability factor. Like a quarterback has to be able to be taught. Like, you know, with any of these quarterbacks, the culture are likely gonna get, they're going to have things that they were doing that weren't good, right? Whether it's Levis, whether it's Richardson, heck, even CJ Stroud, I'm sure, probably to a lesser degree, but like there's gonna be things and gonna be kind of things that they picked up and habits that they picked up. The Stichens gonna tell them, Hey, cut that out, or we're gonna, you're gonna do this differently. And how do you respond to that, you know, criticism? you know, that, that constructive criticism, how do you take it? You know, are you willing to teachable? Are you willing to kind of grow and, and realize, look, I, I don't know everything, you know, and, and I, I understand that there's guys like Steichen who they know a lot more than me. And so I want to be like a sponge. I want to absorb, I want to learn. I want to admit that I don't have it all figured out. Right. And, and always kind of be like a, and I think this is just a kind of a principle for life guys, like always be a learner, Always be teachable. I think it's just so critical for, for anything, especially at the quarterback position, um, because I think if you learn from guys that know a lot more, that's going to serve you well as opposed to trying to just do it yourself or kind of being like on an island, you know? Um, so I think for those factors, th- those are kind of big ones for me as well, kind of playing off from what you guys said as well.
3: Situational IQ, I thought that was a really good one. That was awesome. Um, kind of just goes into – uh The thing with the clutch gene as well in some ways, but I mean, and that's the thing, Cody, is we don't. The problem is, is that with almost probably all these quarterbacks, when you brought up the idea of the Philip Rivers thing, well, that came with. Philip Rivers, who's been in the league for almost 20 years. Like that is a reason why a guy like that was able to survive in the league for 17 years as a quarterback, because he was smart enough to understand that and was so dedicated to the game of football that he understood that, you know, who, and Sykin has said it so much, who is dedicated to this game the most like of all of these quarterbacks Who are we confident that we're going to go in there and get and they are going to soak up all of that information and they will live, breathe and die football. That's it. That's what we want is a guy that is going to be all about it. We don't want uh, half ass stuff. We want stuff that everyone is going to buy into. And it's important for the quarterback because if your quarterback is like that, then the rest of your team is going to end up like that. But the problem we're going to have is is this fan base is immediately going to want this quarterback, whoever we get, to have that situational awareness. When the problem is, is I truly believe there are only two quarterbacks that have that kind of situational awareness, and that's Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And even then, I still question both of their ability to understand a situational awareness when it comes to uh, that sort of prospect because you know Richardson's so young he's got a lot to learn uh even Will Levis you know with trusting his arm too much you know that's something he's gonna have to learn is like hey we know your arm is strong but you gotta know that when that throw is not there you gotta do the other opposite way uh so you know half this draft class has to learn that situational uh awareness and the other and the other half that has it still needs to improve it even more so you know it's unfortunate because in year one we're not going to see that but we're going to hear this fan base say that a lot and that's going to be very annoying
2: yeah there's there's a a quality that i um thought of like once Derek kind of brought up you know you got to have a guy that's you know really he he also kind of like said a leader you know somebody who's actually going to step into the leadership role you got to have a guy that's going to get that locker room back to square one, I mean, that was a team that was, you go from having guys that would punish you if if you even touched Andrew Luck, touched Jacoby Brissett, touched Phillip Rivers, even to an extent Carson Wentz, to a team that allowed Kayvon Thibodeau to dance around your fledgling quarterback, and then the next time that Daniel Jones gets hit Accidentally, by Bobby Okereke, you see the Giants' linemen run over there and attack him like a, like wolves. You got to get somebody back there in the locker room that's going to get that team back to square one. And it leads me to an interesting example that I thought of with the Giant or with the Jets. The reason they have Aaron Rodgers is because Zach Wilson couldn't pan out. Okay, Zach Wilson was one of the most impressive prospects at the at the combine. He, his pro day was immaculate. The guy had all the tools, all the athleticism. But then he lost the locker room to the point where the team was chanting for Mike White. Okay. So you need a guy who's not going to falter. He's going to stand, he's going to stand strong. I personally make all four of these guys have a case in different ways. See, I think like since Derek is a CJ Strive guy, he's more of the calm. I'm going to show the results on the field, follow me, you know, kind of the quiet leader. Bryce Young's more of the experience. Will Levis would be the fiery guy, that, the guy that would get in your face and tell you how it is. And Anthony Richardson might just be more of like the kind of laid back type of dude. I mean, they each have their own way I think they can lead, which makes it even more interesting just to think about each one of these guys in the Colts uniform.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And the interesting thing, I think that's a good segue, Drake, like looking at these, you know, we'll say the three prospects that could potentially be there. Cause I think it's pretty safe to say, unless something crazy happens, Bryce Young's not going to the Colts. Uh, But you know, there's three possibilities I think realistically for the Colts, CJ Stroud, uh, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And so I kind of wanted to ask you guys and kind of get your, your overall thoughts on some of these things that we talked about, and kind of compare and contrast and say, like, which traits are true of these guys? Which traits would we say, you know, maybe these guys lack or they need more experience in or whatever it is? And kind of just break these guys down by prospects. So I wanted to start with C.J. Stroud, talk about him, some of the things that he does well, some of the traits that we talked about that he possesses, some of the things maybe that he doesn't possess or maybe he needs to work on on getting better in. Um, and just go from there and talk about these three guys Um Before the draft comes in a couple days here, so uh, let's start with CJ Stroud, and uh, we'll start with Drake.
2: What what are some things, man? You think for CJ Stroud? Well, to make it, because I I I could talk about CJ Stroud all day, but there isn't there is somebody who I believe is a (laughs) is a certified CJ Stroud expert in the room, so I will keep this brief. (laughs) Um, I I think that the uh, to make it brief, positives, negatives, like things that this guy, we'll just say what he can improve on. I think that he's. It's just two things for me because it's really hard to break. It's really and the S two thing. Just ignore
3: that. It was yeah. Um, it was a stu- it was stupidity. It was fake. hundred percent fake.
2: Very 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 smoky. Um, but I think that he needs to. He's going to have to prove he's mobile enough for an NFL speed like like look i know the georgia game i understand that was a quote-unquote nfl level defense it's still not the nfl he's gonna have to show that in real time the mobility is not an issue i don't think it is but he's still gonna have to show it and going back to the mental part of you know when the game's on the line he showed it in georgia game we always reference the georgia game he's gonna have to show it consistently if he starts 17 games for an NFL franchise Probably five or six of those games, he's going to have to show he can make a last second throw, especially with divisional games. They're just so tight. There's not a lot of blowouts. Um, But my goodness, to make it brief on the positives, he is arguably the most natural passer. His mechanics are very hard to judge in a negative manner. His footwork's nice. Everything releases through his hands so smooth. And like Derek said, there's not a throw he can't make, not a spot on the field that his receivers can't catch that ball. I mean, man, if you want accuracy that's without question. I I don't think it's really, I I think Young's pretty close, but man, within a couple of years, if Stroud works out, he could be hitting like 73, 74% of his passes.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
3: I think that one aspect of CJ Stroud that, you know, a lot of people don't quite get because uh because they maybe just don't follow him as much is he is a lot like what Justin Fields is. And that's more of the like uh like Drake said before, which was you know, that quiet, I'm gonna let my actions speak. I'm not really the guy that's gonna, you know, have these pump up motivational speeches, get in your face kind of guy. I'm not like that. You know, I'm more of just a, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put my uh, all on the football field. I'm going to let it be the end. And, you know, at times that has gotten guys like Justin Fields in trouble because uh, when when you're not good at deflecting blame to the right person and when you're not good at accepting failure and when you're not good at being in that situation – and then being forced to listen to these reporters and these fans and everyone else just mock you for something that's almost out of your control. Uh it's tough to be able to respond to that. Justin Fields has been under, you know, a lot of scrutiny for that, for you know, how he's conducted himself sometimes with the media and his words. I, I fear that in a way for CJ Stroud at times, just because he's he's not a it's not a great, I, I wouldn't even say he's not even a great public speaker. He's a great person when you're talking to him and somebody that he knows, I don't know how he's going to lead the locker room. I mean, I don't think it should be a problem just because everyone that's talked with him knows that he's a great guy. So I don't see why that's an issue, but I do think that it can be a thing where, you know, you're, you're in a locker room with a bunch of grown men, you know, and so this isn't college. Not everyone's the same age. You're going to be with guys that are in the that have been the league for ten plus years. So you know you're you're going to be the new guy on the block. Doesn't matter if you're the quarterback. You're the you're the rookie. You got to be the one that leads this. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And there are a few things from a throwing standpoint. You know, people were saying it. You know, and with the pressure thing, you know, I again think that's another thing that is. Completely widely overblown. I do believe that that is something that he's going to have to work with, but I think it's just hilarious that like people want to try to make a quarterback out to be bad when his team is putting him in a bad position. Therefore, he has to be the one that overcomes it instead of making the rest of the team do better. Right? Like, I mean, everyone says the same thing. If there is a clean pocket, the the quarterback that will make the the throw more times than everyone else, any person that would you would ask, they would say CJ Stroud. And that's the important aspect here is he's the accurate guy. He's the quote unquote safe guy. You know, the guy that you know that when he comes in, he's going to be accurate. You just got to give him a little bit of time to get with these guys. And, you know, especially being with Indianapolis, you know, you got these big wide receivers, right? Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods. You know, you got these big body guys that, you know, you can throw the ball up to. And we know CJ Stroud loves to throw them 50-50 balls. And, you know, with the athletic ability and the size that the Indianapolis Colts have, uh, it would fit perfectly for the kind of throwing style that uh, CJ Stroud has to not really, you know, uh, elaborate too much more on what Drake said. But, yeah, those are what I think is something he needs to improve on, things that he does well.
2: Gotcha. All right, let's move on to Will Levis now.
3: Okay.
2: Ooh. uh, I'll uh, I'll kick this one off. I think um – I think that the negatives. I just watching him at the combine. There are some throwing mechanics stuff, um, especially with his left side. He tends to like lock his feet. His footwork will need will need you know some kind of touching up for sure. But something that was interesting that Daniel Jeremiah said is that there's times where his upper body does not match his lower body. Is that he's such an athlete? He's a freakish athlete. Dude's ridiculous, all right. Like, uh, but he doesn't match the the athleticism with his throwing motions. Which sometimes you'll get these these balls where it's like it's a five yard out. You just got to put that thing on the money. Well, Will Levis will beam your head with that football because his mechanics are not lined up. He's throwing way too hard and you're going to get receivers that you're going to get pissed off with that kind of stuff. So (laughs) he's going to have to, I mean, like you said, Derek, these are NFL guys. They're like, get me the ball, man. I'm a, I'm a 15 to $20 million a year guy. Who are you? Get me the ball. Like I'm going to make your career. Like these are guys that they're not going to take that stuff. So he's going to have to fix that kind of stuff. Not saying he's going to get yelled at, but he's going to have to improve the, the, the throwing mechanics. Like Derek said earlier, he can't just trust his arm. A lot of strong arm guys will just throw that ball. They'll, they'll be like, well, I was able to do this in college. I don't have any other option. I got to throw this ball. That's even what Chris Ballard said. Is that, You know, people tend to fall back on what are their strengths. So um, he's going to have to kind of get better at reading defenses and not making bad throws. Um, but I think that on the positives, you're getting he gets un, he gets he gets kind of buried underneath Anthony Richardson. Okay. This is a guy that is absolutely an athlete. This is a guy that can make those vertical throws that Shane Steichen talks about. He can make explosive plays happen. He can punish a defense with his feet. He can get better in the pocket. Also, it's both a pro and a con. He will take one on the jaw anytime you want him to. He will not leave that pocket. He is tough. He's war ready. The dude dude's a real baller. I think that he can go out there and be what Carson Wentz could have been if everything works out. Um, but at the other, at the other end of it, it's, it'll be interesting. He's definitely a wild card, but I think the biggest thing about him is he gets that ball out quick. There's no, no shortage of velocity on those throws and in the quick passing game, RPOs and stuff. Oh man. I think he could really tear up a defense with the right
3: mechanics. I, I truly hate the, uh, comparison of him and Carson Wentz. I hate it because I think that they're different kinds of quarterbacks And of course, everyone wants to talk about what Carson Wentz became because of the situations that he was put in. Mentally, he never recovered. And that messed him up from a football career standpoint, and it will for the rest of his life. That's unfortunate. But to say that same thing about Will Levis is ridiculous. I liked what Dan Orlovsky went on ESPN and said, his cop is more like Josh Allen. In a lot of different ways. They're the exact same body type. They play the exact same way. Got rockets of an arm. Can use their athleticism when they want to. They stay in the pocket and they throw the ball hard. And and the thing is, is when you talk about Will Levis, people always want to go back to the numbers. Always want to go back to the numbers. His numbers were trash. His numbers were trash. He's trash. End of story. The problem is is nobody wants to take it at face value what his problem were when the fact that, one, he had nobody on that team this year that is going to get drafted besides him. No one. And the th- the difference is, you know who also had that problem in, in college? That was Josh Allen in Wyoming. And you know what the crazy part is? Is not the fact Josh Allen was not playing Will Levis' competition. Okay, Will Levis was playing – Alabama defense, Georgia defense, playing against Tennessee, who can score the lights out on anyone, right? To try to keep up with that is ridiculous, right? Like the problem is, is if you took Will Levis junior year film versus uh and put him in this year's draft class, then there would be no questioning on whether or not Will Levis would be a top four quarterback in this draft class. But you have people that are sitting here saying, oh, he's not even worth a fifth round draft pick. Like you people are crazy. Like the problem is, is Will Levis got hurt last year. He had no help. He had no offensive scheme. And there's so many things piled up against him. But never once did he complain. Never once did he back down. He played through the uh, through the injuries even though he could barely throw the football anymore and could barely stand in the pocket cuz he was getting hit thirty uh sacked 36 times in 11 games. Come on people, like we, we got to have more compassion for this. Not everyone is Andrew Luck. Not everyone can get sacked 50 times and still throw for 4,000 yards, throw for 30 plus touchdowns, throw only 10 interceptions and make, and make the grace of God just look easy. Like, not everyone can do that. Andrew Luck was a generational guy. We're not sitting here saying Will Levis is the same, but the problem is is people want to ride him off without looking at everything that he has. And the other thing is he's dedicated, man. Ever since the season ended, he went to California and went and got to working on his mechanics. He went and he... Basically went and got another 10 pounds of lean muscle mass on him. So now he's 230 and he's a lot more muscle now. He's been dedicated to getting things ready and right for this time. I think he's got a good head on him. He's smart. He's been around good people. He has a good network. He's a guy that wants to play football. And I think that's the important aspect here. He may be a more of a project than a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young. But at the end of the day, he is a kid that has all the intangibles you want in a, in a franchise quarterback. It's just a matter of do the Colts think? that he has the right intangibles and is he worth investing into? That's the important part. But I think he has all the necessary things to be able to be a good quarterback. It's just a matter of does he actually do it?
2: Hey, real real quick, you know who else went to California and got work on their mechanics? Josh Allen. (laughs) <laughs> so there's <laughs> another there's another there's another comp and he went from like 55 percent and 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 trying to do underhanded throws in the in the wild card round against the houston texans to you know dueling it out with patrick mahomes i mean so it, it could be done it could be done he's definitely got the drive i'll tell you that yeah definitely
1: uh you know it's so interesting and i say this is somebody who and we'll get into to the next guy here but as somebody who you know if i look at these prospects like you know, I would say like Levis out of the three guys for me personally is the guy that I would least like to see. Not that I would be mad, I would certainly be excited. I would back him totally if the Colts decided to go that direction. But I think it's just interesting that like people are willing to pick and choose kind of what they like and what they don't like, you know, in a prospect. Like the same people that would say Will Levis was trash last year. Are looking at Anthony Richardson and are saying this dude's the next coming and and he very well may be, but like the stats aren't that much better, you know? Like, so it's just kind of funny. It's like, well, if you're gonna stick to stats, like be consistent at least, you know, like if you're gonna
3: through what was it, nine percent better on his throws with a with a messed up shoulder than Anthony Richardson did. I'm just uh, saying, nine percent.
2: He he played through hell last year. With Pull no up consistency, no weapons, and bad messed up a leg. Yeah, still had a winning record. So Yeah, I mean, so I
1: mean, and I yeah. get it. Like, Levis is not a perfect prospect. He certainly has things that, that are flaws for him. He needs to work on. He's going to have to fix. But, like, I do think the Will Levis uh, hate is just way too overblown, in my opinion. You know, I even if he's not my number one or number two guy here like I still see a lot of positives and a lot of things where I'm like if he works with the right coach he could turn into a really good quarterback. So, uh, you know, it's just interesting how people pick and choose, uh, how stats matter for this guy but stats don't matter for that guy. It's just it's interesting how that works out. But anyway, we'll move on to Anthony Richardson now. Obviously, we know the kind of talent this guy is. We know the kind of arm he has. We know he broke all those combine records. I mean, the dude is just like a walking like specimen like the RAS score of a 10 like he is just off the charts when it comes to that stuff but he is extremely raw you know he played in 13 games last year for Florida and you know you know had some ups had some downs but I think a lot of people are basing this similar to you know like you talked about with Josh Allen like they're projecting what the talent could be for a guy like Anthony Richardson I think we would say out of all the quarterbacks this dude clearly has the highest ceiling. But the question is, could he ever reach that ceiling? Like, Is that actually a thing that's going to happen? Because right now, I think out of the out of the three potential quarterbacks, he's certainly the most raw. He's certainly the guy that's going to take a lot more time. He's not as NFL ready as some of the other guys that the Colts could potentially get. But, you know, it, and I guess the question the Colts are going to ask, have to ask themselves is, you know, is it worth betting on the traits? You know, is it worth betting on the athletic ability of Anthony Richardson? You know, is it worth betting on that and betting that he can reach his ceiling and that if you take him and you take a little bit more of a risk and maybe you don't start him right away? You know, is it going to you're going to look back at a couple of years and say, yeah, you know, he wasn't ready, but it was worth it because we we're able to get more out of him. Right. Especially like we talked about with how stacked the AFC is right now. Like this dude has his ceiling is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, I think I really do think that is the case. So, what are your guys' thoughts here on Anthony Richardson out of Florida?
3: Well, I'll start with this one. Um, I think, and this is just me spitballing here. I don't know this for a fact, but this is my perception of this. From, you know, talking with guys like Landon, talking with, you know, a couple other people who have done a deeper dive into uh, Anthony Richardson on a personal level. I think of every single one of these quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson is the most dedicated to the game of football. Me personally, I think that he would be the biggest sponge of all of these guys when it comes to information. Uh, He is a diehard. He is a guy that is very passionate about a lot of different things, and uh, that comes from his upbringing and where he comes from. Uh, And then on top of it, you know what? He's going to be 21 when he gets into the league, right? So you know, very very young this is a guy you could sit for two years and would still be the same age as the incoming uh, draft class of 2025. And it would be the same age as them, you know? So it's kind of funny, you know, like he's so young. It's ridiculous, right? Like, I mean, whatever team he goes to, uh, it'd be a phenomenal situation for them because, you know, you're talking about a guy that can, you know, do it all. And I think, that's the wild card aspect of it is is Shane Steichen sitting back and saying like, okay, uh, Chris, I want, I want Richardson because I think of all of these guys I can get the most out of him. I think that he's not the best one right now. He's probably the worst one right now. But give me a year to get this guy some proper coaching and watch this guy blossom. Because like you said, Cody, um, there are people that literally think that Anthony Richardson could be the next, like Patrick Mahomes, god level, top tier, number one quarterback that's ever played the game of football sort of talent, just due to the fact he's the most athletic quarterback that we've ever seen come into the league. And he's still so young and so raw. If he got really good, if he started to, you know, get that proper coaching and, you know, got better at his consistency then that would be something that we could really see blossom. And, you know, especially for the Colts, right? If you're wanting to see if Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield does not, uh, pique your interest, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, I mean, that's deadly to think about that, but, um, that's the biggest issue with, uh, Anthony Richardson is the consistency. Um, I, I think he makes more, I think he makes better throws, then will Levis does even on occasion, but I think will Levis uh, makes more consistent throws. And instead you see, you know, Anthony Richardson miss on plenty of easy throws because like with will Levis, the mechanics just aren't there. Uh, and that has the problem with, he didn't have a quarterback coach at Florida. So it's kind of one of those situations where he wasn't getting very great coaching. Um, and not a lot of great talent there either. Uh, right now, you know, a lot of those players have come and gone. Uh, Anthony Richardson was the offense for Florida. So at the end of the day, you know, he's just he's just a raw prospect, man. I mean, he is, like you said, his ceiling is as high as he wants it to go. But the problem is, is his floor, if he doesn't do that, then, you know, he wasted you wasted a first round draft pick on a guy that you could have just should have just gotten later
2: yeah um i I, i'll take a different approach at it because everybody knows the positive everyone talks about you know the athleticism and stuff so just to keep that brief you know obviously he's incredibly athletic he's got an arm that can hit anywhere on the field um, I do think that he is a little bit more ready to read NFL defenses. He's got great eye manipulation on linebackers and, and secondary. I mean, he can he can he's learning. He had to learn a lot of that stuff on the fly with guys that would drop two out of every 10 passes that hit their hands in Florida. I mean, these guys truly dropped passes at an alarming rate. Um, But something that's interesting is him and Will Levis are so dang similar. I mean, they really are. Both are athletic guys. Obviously, Richardson is the most athletic, but they're both athletic guys. They both are tough. They're dedicated. They have had to improve immensely. They're both raw. Obviously, Levis has had a couple more years in a pro offense. But now you're talking about they both dealt with really interesting coaching situations. They both had pretty bad teams and had to play Superman ball. Um, they are, they are both, they're, they're just a little bit of athleticism on, on Richardson's side and more accuracy on Levis's side away from being damn near the same guy. So they're very similar. So, um, I will say the negatives though, those are more, those are more important to talk about. He's going to have to get the mechanics down. Uh, obviously 53% is very, that's, that's regardless of drops that is really intense that's that's a very low percentage there was one game i think he was like 3 for 13 and obviously someone broke down film the routes weren't ran correctly A couple drops 3 he, for 13
3: a, what was it the florida state game he finished like 9 of 27 yeah for 100 yeah, like 60 yards so he finished yeah. with 33%
2: <laughs> yeah and like you said like that's that's something else is Something I've asked and and all because we've you know we've talked quarterback so much. This is something I haven't even brought up. Is like I thought to myself, what happens if they just throw him in? They're like, all right, Gardner, go ahead and sit, and mentor him. What would the work like? What could a first year? Let's just hypothetically say Anthony Richardson plays all seventeen games. I just wrote a piece hypothetically saying all top five guys. How would everything pan out in their first year if they played seventeen games for the Colts and started? I had Bryce Young at ten and seven. Stroud at eight and nine, Levis at eight and nine, Hook, uh, Hendon Hooker at three and fourteen. Sorry, I, he's just. He's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, anyway, uh, Hendon Hooker is not, he's he's Thank not a day you. one starter. Um, <laughs> Somebody just, else, just just not. Uh, I had Anthony Richardson at six and eleven, and I do think that that maybe maybe seven and ten, you'd have a guy that would make some crazy pro- crazy plays. Okay. But man, you'd have to you'd have to run the ball quite a bit. You'd probably have to like kind of mix in Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, maybe a scat back you draft. You're going to get, need to get the ball to Isaiah. Mc- I said in the article, Isaiah McKenzie and Jelani Woods, they would both be his best friend—the quick out and the big target. When so, it
3: comes to when it comes to Anthony Richardson, you would see the biggest jump from the beginning part of his season to the end. Yep. Uh, the beginning part of the season would be hell. It'd be hell to watch. I I think it'd be rough. The kid would be completing like maybe just over 50% of his passes, probably throwing about the same number of interceptions as touchdowns, probably. But then the last six games of the year, when you see him playing, then you start to see him dial in a little more. uh, And you start seeing that two touchdown to one interception ratio, Completing around 60%, you know, that sort of thing. That would be a lot more of the Anthony Richardson. But I'm just saying, Anthony Richardson is the perfect guy to sit for a year behind a quarterback that you have. The problem is the Colts don't have one of those because Matt Ryan decided to take a dump on his entire career this last year and decided to just suck. OK, but that was the key. That was the golden ticket. We were going to say Matt Ryan was going to sit there and was going to be like, OK, we get one more year out of you, Matty Ice. Teach this young kid, Anthony Richardson, how to play quarterback. And then next year, when he learns a little more, then he'll be ready for the NFL once he gets a little bit more speed. But unfortunately, with, with Anthony Richardson, I, I, the problem is, is there's not a spot in the top four in which he's going to have that issue where he's going to have that. You know, if he gets drafted to the Texans or to uh, the Colts, God forbid the freaking uh, Carolina Panthers somehow, then you you're going to have to play him. You're going to have to play him. Uh, If he went to like Seattle or something, he could sit for two years behind Geno Smith. And then, you know, when Geno's last year of his contracts up, Start throwing in Anthony Richardson because Anthony Richardson's only going to be twenty-three years old and he's still gonna be on his rookie deal. So I mean, that would be a great situation for him. Raiders
2: Raiders too.
3: Yeah, the Raiders too. Yeah. yeah. The Raiders. Absolutely. Jimmy G. It's just a matter of whether or not he gets there. Now, do the Raiders try to trade up to number three to go and get him. Titans, you know, and that could be some of those teams where I think like if the Houston Texans don't take a quarterback and a team trades up to number three, I'm more inclined to think that some t- a certain amount of teams would want to trade for Anthony Richardson instead of C.J. Stroud because of that specific reason. Because if you're the Raiders, with the fact that you have Jimmy Garoppolo for two years, and you just have all that time in the world to mold Anthony Richardson into the quarterback that you want. Uh, you're not going to do that same thing with CJ Stroud. Stroud's not going to, Stroud's not a guy you're sitting for, you know, two years because you're just going to, you're going to make CJ Stroud worse by having him sit versus uh, Anthony Richardson, who'd be the opposite. So be interesting. Very mm-hmm.
2: fair. Very yeah.
1: fair. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All these guys, it's just, you know, like he talked about, the two guys are kind of similar, but Stroud's a little bit different where he would be definitely a guy that you would jump out there throughout their day one. And he would just, you know, go to work. Um, now, the, I guess the question for the Colts is like, can they afford to wait on an Anthony Richardson? Like can they afford to sit there and wait one, two, three years on Richardson to develop, or is the move more of a guy that can be an you know an instant starter, can play from day one, and just kind of learn on the fly, kind of get thrown into the fire a little bit? Yeah, it may not be always pretty. It may maybe some struggles early on, but they do feel like you know that's the way that they're going to to grow with this guy is just let him go in and play.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. Th- I will say this. I think if they're looking for, if they think in one year, I think that the Colts, if, if they knew. One year, they probably can't wait two or three. Would they? Maybe. But I think if it was one year, they'd be like, all right, Anthony Richardson, fantastic. But if they're trying to hit the ground running, I've even said this. Yes, Bryce Young's the most NFL-ready quarterback, all right? Okay, if he's over six feet tall, he's the consensus number one pick, whatever. C.J. Stroud and his accuracy and his footwork and pocket presence mixed with Shane Steichen – mixed with Isaiah McKenzie mixed with Jelani woods, Jonathan Taylor, Alec Pearson, Michael Pittman jr. (laughs) And potentially Jonathan freaking Mingo. Okay. I mean that kind of stuff right there tells me that that's accuracy. I think that the accuracy would win out in that. I think that he would hit the ground running fastest uh, for the Colts out of any of the quarterbacks.
3: Here's the thing. When it comes to the people talking about uh, Anthony Richardson sitting or not sitting, um, and a lot of people like to mention the Patrick Mahomes thing. Here's the, here's the problem I have with that.
2: That's a way better team, Patrick dude.
3: Mahomes, in college, played 32 games. Played 32 games as a starter for Texas Tech. 32. That is two and a half full years of playing college football. So this guy, he came in with a lot more experience, a lot of experience, played 32 games. That's basically two full seasons of playing NFL quarterback stuff. So, I mean, he had that game experience, but him being able to sit and soak in all the information helped him because he already had so much playing experience. Playing quarterback was not an issue for him. It was just soaking all of the Andy Reid stuff into his head, right? Anthony Richardson's only played 13 games, 13. Like the problem with him sitting is the fact that he's not going to improve mentally or physically by sitting and waiting a whole year, maybe two years to play when the guy has only played in 13 games. There's only so much he can take in with, Sitting, He has to learn on the fly. He has to get that game experience. He has to because you can sit somebody and have them learn a different way if they have that experience like Patrick Mahomes did. He played in 30 plus games. He's used to playing and it's not an issue for him. But Anthony Richardson's not used to playing quarterback yet. He hasn't played that much at a high level. So you have to get him to play more at a high level to catch up to the game speed. What, I mean, at some point, it might take him two years to get to where we start to see him really skyrocket in the production that we think he can get to. But that's the, the, that's the risk you have to take. You have to understand when you take Anthony Richardson that for your first year of him playing, or even two years, he is going to he is going to struggle, he is going to struggle, but it is can you be patient enough and and stay committed to him enough that in years three or four, then you start seeing the Anthony Richardson that everyone thinks he can be. But the mental aspect of it is not about sitting. It is about him going out there and getting game reps because he doesn't have those yet.
2: It's a good point. It's
1: a great point. Yeah. Well, it's going to be certainly interesting to see which direction the Colts go. Um, Do they take more of the wait and see with Richardson and, you know, knowing that it's going to be a little bit longer, maybe they, you know, CJ Stroud sitting there at four, they decide we're not going to overthink this. We're going to get the guy that's going to make us better today and maybe not in a year or two, but he's going to make us better today. And also I think we we talk about all this potential with guys, you know, those two guys, Levis and Richardson, but like CJ Stroud can still get better too. Like you know, he oh, yeah. still has a lot he can grow in. And, you know, he, he doesn't – I think the thing is like people look at Richardson and he's so like raw that they see the potential and they're like, man, this guy could, you know. He has all this potential, but he also has so much more room to grow than C.J. Stroud because C.J. Stroud's just so much of a better player at this current time. And I just think, like, when you look at C.J. Stroud's flaws versus Anthony Richardson's, I mean, like, you can nitpick a lot more with C.J. Stroud than you do with Richardson where the flaws are very clear and up front. Um, but, like, Stroud can still get bigger. He can still develop some some things in his game. And I really do think that would be a best-case scenario for the Colts is, is C.J. Stroud. Um, because I do feel like he can be a really, really good quarterback in this league with the right system. Um, and I really think he's a guy that you know he has proven to be a leader, he has proven to be a winner, and he's proven that he can, you know, he can do stuff in the clutch and also he can use his legs as well. So he does fit that kind of mold, and he is a good size for a quarterback. So, um, I think all those things, and I do think you know, th- I'm sure you guys have heard this, right? People say oh, he played at Ohio State, he had all these number one receivers, which is true, but then you look at a guy, I, I know, I heard this same argument for Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he's Joe Burrow, but like he, that's what I heard. You know, Oh, he had all these receivers at LSU, he had all these weapons, but Joe Burrow came out and he still played really good football. So, I mean, I think that could be you know, a situation where you say, is it another Joe Burrow situation or is it a situation where it actually is legit and then you know, if he doesn't have that, those kind of receivers at the NFL level, you know, does that impact him? I, I personally, am always going to be like, until proven wrong, I'm going to bet that he's going to continue that success into the NFL.
2: Well, I mean, you got to think that those receivers are also kind of NFL level receivers, so maybe the argument should be that CJ Stroud might be more use, might get used to quicker uh, throwing to NFL level right. receivers than now, other. Why do we
3: need? why do we need quarterbacks to struggle with no help in order to give them a benefit of the doubt? It's it's just trying to make an excuse. Just trying yeah. to make an excuse. All Ohio state say, quarterbacks would rather have, a guy, suck. We'd rather have a guy struggle, never do well. And, uh, you know, just say, Oh, well, he didn't have help versus the guy who had help, you know, had those good things and say, Oh, well that's just cause he had help. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, based off that logic, why don't all of you want Will Levis then? I mean Will Levis ain't never had help. I mean that's literally the truth. So like again, why why is everybody uh you know, why ain't everybody want Will Levis if that's the if that's the case? I mean, if it matters with who the guy has wide receivers. I mean, again, we never talk about it when it comes to Alabama quarterbacks. We never talk about it when it came to Joe Burrow. We talk about all these things. It, It only matters when it's an Ohio State quarterback. It only matters when it's an Ohio State quarterback. Everybody else doesn't matter. It's only when it's an Ohio State quarterback do people care when they actually have legit NFL wide receivers on that roster. And it's just simply because Brian Hartline has had what, like a dozen of them come out of come out of that university into the NFL over the last five years. Because every year uh, Columbus has two wide receivers going in the top uh, first round of the draft every year. I mean, it's just because he's that good. It, we, it's not our fault. We get elite wide receivers. Get better, everyone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can cover him, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah, it just, it we're going off thing. on a
3: tangent here we're going yeah. away from the video <laughs> yeah that's all right
1: uh we We're put it an hour guys we haven't done an hour video in a long time so uh this is this is great i love this i love being able to talk about all this because i mean it is this is probably like the last time we're gonna be able to talk about the colts getting to quarterback hopefully for a long time um so yeah yeah it's gonna yeah. be interesting but yeah i just my kind of thing is like, you know, I don't have I I don't have an issue if you don't believe in this quarterback because of this reason or whatever, or if you have issues with this, but just be consistent in your argument. That's all I ask. So um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which route the Colts do go at quarterback, right? You know, which guy do they believe is their guy? You know, how much of that, you know, talk about the S2 tests and all that stuff. How much of that is legitimate? How much of that is smoke? Uh, you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, And, you know, do the Colts overthink it or do they just go for it? You know, they just get the guy that's a clear number one. Do they go for the guy that is clearly ready to play now or the guy where you bet on the trades? Sykins is going to have a huge influence on that. And I'm really intrigued to see which route they do go. And I think, honestly, out of any of these three quarterbacks at the end of the day, guys, I think I think knowing Shane Steichen and his track record, he's going to develop these guys and do a good quarterback. So you can have your preference, but at the end of the day, I think we'll all be happy with either of these three quarterbacks that the Colts do go get. And it can't be any worse than last year. And as I've said before, if you're going to stink, if these quarterbacks stink year one. I'd rather do it with a young guy
2: than do it with a 38-year-old quarterback. So. <laughs> and, then, and then a 37-year-old and then a 24-year-old, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's a totally different feel. Yes. It would be a totally different feel at this point next year if we're sitting here in the top five again uh, because obviously you have a guy that you believe in and a guy that you can build around finally. The Colts just haven't had that in so long. So. All right, cool. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up, guys. Just a little bit under an hour here talking about different quarterback traits, the physical, obviously, the mental, uh, everything else there in terms of the things looking for quarterbacks, the things we thought maybe were a little bit overrated for different quarterbacks, although they are important as well. Uh, Man, Drake, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Why don't you tell, tell everybody where they can find you, find your work and everything?
2: Uh, so, uh, on, on horseshoehuddle.com, uh, at ColtsFN on Twitter, and uh, just recently joined Apple Podcast. Um, so, find us on there, too. But, yeah, it's it's just a crazy time. It's only three more days, and then I have a feeling that the news will spike for a day, and then it's going to be kind of calm waters for a week, because it has just been hellfire and brimstone. <laughs>
1: absolutely well guys go be sure to go check him out and everybody over there on horseshoehuddle.com. they do great work for the indianapolis colts and uh everybody i hope you guys have a great draft weekend um it is honestly a holiday for a lot of us that cover the colts year <laughs> round and it's yeah. one of our favorite times of year um and so hopefully you guys will join us we're going to be doing a three day all three days we're going to be live streaming So uh, be sure to check that out, guys. Um, It's going to be a ton of fun just hanging out with you guys. And, hey, the Colts actually have a top pick this year. This is something they've never had in the history of this podcast. So it's going to be a ton of fun. But uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And as always, guys, go Colts. This is the
3: story of the one.